Generations Church, good morning. Pastor Jeff here. I want to do a couple quick announcements for you, and then we will get to our passage in Exodus. If you want to turn there, Exodus 27 is where we'll be today. Excuse me, 28. Uh, 27 was last week. I should know that. All right, real quick couple announcements. If you're live streaming us with us at home, please check in and comment on the live stream. Uh, we are trying to kind of get a hold of who is out there and who is joining us. And so please let us know. If you have our church app, you can connect uh, through the check-in on our church app. The app gives you an opportunity to have a, a Bible and the notes for the message, the, the lyrics for the songs, um, giving, a Bible, like I said, uh, all the upcoming things in the bulletin. Every, everything is there inside of our app. So whether you're joining us online or you're outdoors with us, please uh, check in and find all the information in there. Couple fun things coming up. Next Sunday will be the first, actually the first, but also the first Sunday of the month. And for you, uh, we're going to be serving communion. So whether you're at home or joining us online, we're going to be doing communion. And so one of the reasons why we're trying to figure out who all is around is we wanted to reach out and, and make sure that you have communion elements and things like that. So please let us know you're there. We want to prepare and prepare with you for communion on the first of the month. So that's one week out. Either the following week or the week after, we're also going to be doing baptisms. And so if you've never been baptized, we would love to talk to you about baptism. And so please uh, let us know. Again, you can, in the church app, when, or in, our, in our phone app, our smartphone app, when you check in, there's a place for prayer requests. We would love to pray for you. In there, you can also always comment and just say, hey, how do I find out more about baptisms? Or hey, I need some help with communion at home. So please, when you do that, even in the prayer request, give us your prayer request, and then just let us know uh, how we can reach out and care for you. And so communion one week from now, and then baptisms uh, are a week or two after that. So we've got them scheduled, and just want to reach out to everybody and let you know. Final thing, you are going to be hearing from either someone on my staff, could be myself personally, or Marcia, who is one of our deacons. Uh, we are going to go through the database that we have and we're going to try and get through and call everybody and get everybody updated for things like communion. We want to know how we can care for people. Um, we, in this coronavirus season that's been so distant and so weird, um, there's just people I haven't even seen for like eight months, right? You know, since, since March. And so we're just going through and circling up with everybody. So here's my ask for you. You're going to hear for some, from someone either on staff or in leadership at the church they're going to call you, send you an email, maybe text you. Will you please call them back? I know most of us don't answer numbers we don't know, um, numbers that aren't saved in our phones. Uh, so when they reach out to you and they let you know that they're calling from the church, would you please do me the favor, call them back. Uh, we are really, really working on making sure that we know who's out there so we know who we're caring for or maybe even know who we're missing and how we can care better. So please, you're going to be hearing from either Marsha or uh, Brooke, who's in children's ministry, if, you, if you're a young family. Alex, if you have youth, might be reaching out. Your community group leader could be reaching out to you. Or again, it's probably going to be Marsha for a lot of you. So please, please uh, let us know. And I'll send you some information about that, letting you know what we're looking for. But please, when you hear from them, will you call them back? Or if you get lucky and you answer the phone or they text you, please. Uh, yeah, we would love to, uh, really, just as a, as a part of us trying to care for you. Uh, we'd love to know who all's there, and how we can do this, all right? I'm going to pray, and we will dive into the passage right now. God, thank you as we gather today that you are a God who surpasses distance. 
you overcome the barrier of internet and, and the challenges of distancing. And so thank you so much, God, that you are greater than this. And Lord, hopefully as coronavirus is coming to a conclusion soon, Lord, hopefully we get to get back together. But Lord, we want to thank you for the days that we've had. We want to thank you for the online journey we've had. We want to thank you that we have met new people in this season, and that's prompted us towards baptisms. Lord, we want to thank you that through the use of technology, we've been able to care for people throughout this season. And so a crazy 10 months or eight, excuse me, eight months or six months, whatever it's been, Lord, a crazy length of time. Let us be grateful in all things, Lord, that we know you are with us. And then would you speak to us today through your word, Lord, as we continue in our Exodus series. Jesus, come and speak to us as your church, Lord. We desire to know you more. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, as I said earlier, Exodus 28, and I'm going to ask you, even if you're at home, we do this in here, here when we're outside, I'm going to ask you, just would you stand up for just one second? You probably could use a break from sitting on the couch anyhow. And I want to read these two verses, and when we stand to read Scripture, we do this in just a way that gives respect and gives honor to Scripture as, as the Word of God, the Word of God that has authority in our lives. And so it's Exodus 28, I want to read verses 29 and 30, and it says this, so Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breastpiece of judgment, you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be in Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. I want you to hear this, that as we talk about the role of the high priest today, we're talking about someone who would take the people into the very presence of God. He would bear the names of the people, that the people would be brought into the presence of God. And so I just, as we do that today, just consider how we bring ourselves and how we have been brought into God's presence by Christ. You guys can be seated. I'm going I'm to read this main idea for today. This is in the app underneath the notes section. It says this, mediator, bridge between God and man. Moses' brother Aaron will be ordained as a priest in today's passage with the clear function of going between God and man. This is an amazing glimpse ahead at the role of Jesus, our perfect mediator. Now, forgive me, I've got a typo in that. Uh, at the role of Jesus, the role, the office of Jesus, not the role, like role with two L's. Sorry about that. Uh, but our perfect mediator, right? Jesus is our perfect mediator. Jesus is the one who goes in on behalf of us into the presence of God. And so if you're just joining us, if you weren't here last week or in the prior weeks, we've been following the people of Israel out of slavery and, and into the wilderness where they encounter a series of challenges, a lack of food, a lack of water. Um, they're human, so they have lots of complaints too, not that we would ever complain about anything, right? But they're human, they're just, they're enduring hardship. And for us, Exodus is the book where we're just, comparing ourselves, if you will, in a sense, or just learning from the people of God thousands of years ago as they struggle. And we're, we're applying that to our circumstances today throughout coronavirus where we're enduring a season of struggle. And we're just recognizing that there's a lot of humanness in them, in us, that is common. But throughout this, what we see is God repeatedly reveal himself in new ways to the people. They learn more about their faith. They learn more about their God. Last week, we talked about even just learning more about our Savior, Jesus, and we will continue in that today as we talk about a new high priest, this office that God is raising up, this role that God is providing for the people, how that finds its fulfillment in Christ today. 
So Exodus 28, we're going to go back to verse 1 and start there. It says this, God is speaking to Moses. He says, then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and uh, Ithamar. And so bring your sons into me. You come, or bring Aaron and his sons to you, Moses. And so here's where we are. Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's meeting with God. God has been giving him not only the law and the commandments, but God has also been revealing to him how he will create a tabernacle, this mobile tent for worship, right? And they will create this space. And, and right now, as, as Moses and God are up on Mount Sinai, removed from the people, and God's presence is up on the mountain, away from people, only Moses is allowed to go up there. God is saying, listen, I'm going to come down to my people. I'm going to bring my presence right in the middle of my people. And, and the tabernacle will be at the center of the people. And if you're in a community group right now, or if you're doing the reading through the Read Scripture app with us, if you're joining us kind of for that reading plan, as we read through the details of Exodus and Leviticus, what we see is as the tribes start to set up, they kind of set up around the tabernacle and they kind of form across a little bit, sort of kind of a northern and southern area, an eastern and western area, and the tribes kind of set up their camps with God in the middle. So there's this beautiful image of God's presence going from removed from the people down into among the people. But last week, as we talked about, the tabernacle has this separated area inside the inside of the tabernacle. So deep inside, behind curtains, is God's presence and the Ark of the Covenant. And so God's presence is going to join in with the people, but the people aren't allowed to go into God's presence. And so God is saying to Moses, now listen, bring Aaron, Aaron and his sons, your brother and, their, and your nephews, they're going to be my priests. And we're going to see that Aaron is going to take on this unique role and that he will go into the presence of God. Now, this will only take place one day a year. And throughout the rest of the days of the year, all the priests will offer sacrifices inside the tabernacle, but not all the way inside the Holy of Holies. And so God's presence will exist in there. And then one day a year, the high priest that year, which will start off with Aaron, will go into God's presence. And it's that that we get to read about today, how that will take place. So a couple like quick takes on some of these verses as we get this passage started. Verse 2, it says, And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty. That's a, a beautiful line. You're going you're gonna to dress your brother the way I tell you to dress your brother. You're going to create something for him. He can't just come into me normal. We're going to give him robes to put on, right? But I love that line, for glory and for beauty. Verse 3, You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate to him for my, for my priesthood. Right? He said, now there are people out there that I have filled with my, my spirit of skill, that my spirit, God says, has filled them with skills. And I just want you to hear this today, that all kinds of people are gifted by God to do things for the people of God. Right? It doesn't have to be a pastor or a worship leader or anything like that, but, but these people that are gifted by God are gifted and skilled at making things. It's just a reminder that we're all a part of the body, right? That we're all a part of the body of Christ, the church, and that we all have our contribution to it. We have people that work with our hands and work with their hands, and we have people that work with technology, and we have people that work with music. And this is that moment where the people that are skilled with their hands, their, their part is just being 
and creating and, and doing what God has called them to do. And we just, as a church, need to remember all sorts of people, right, make up the body of Christ. Verse 4 says, These are the garments that they shall make a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. So special gear for the priest, right? And all with deep and powerful meanings, and some that we'll get to see today. Verse 5, it says, they shall receive gold. So the priests are going to go down, Aaron, Moses, they're going to go down, they're going to ask from the people, the skilled people to do this. And then it says this, and they shall receive gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. Now we talked about this a bit last week, but God is telling Moses to go down and that the people will donate the things necessary for God's house. And last week we spent a little bit of time on this, that, that giving has, has such a big part of worship for us, that that we give generously to the work that God does. And, and in this moment, kind of seeing the beginning of that, where Moses is going to come back down Mount Sinai with work that God has set out for the people to do, and the way they're going to accomplish it is both the people will give, financially or otherwise, the, the resources, the tools, the, the gold or the linens or the wood or whatever it might be, they're going to give to the project. And then also people are going to then serve the project by pitching in their skills. Right? And so that's just a reminder that all, ever since the beginning, right, all the way back to a tabernacle, the people of God have always rallied, and, and this is our church, right? Online or in person, doesn't matter. Building, no building, outdoors, indoors, doesn't matter. The, the church, the, the, the body, the collection of people, the ministries we do, and the, the care that we provide for people, and the things that we do, that's a collection of people. It's not limited to a pastor or a staff or elders, that this is all of us collectively together. We give, we serve, we attend, we belong, we do together the work of the church. Verse 6, it says, And they shall make an ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and of fine twine linen skillfully worked. And it shall have two shoulder pieces attached to the two edges that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it and shall be one piece with it of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. Now, an ephod, not a term we always use, right? But it's a sleeveless, like a half robe, like a sleeveless half robe. And it's going to be worn over the top of the priest's full long robe. And it'll be decorated, as it says, with stones. We're going to find out more about this right here. Verse 9, you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Six of their names on one stone, the names of the remaining six on the other stone, and the order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. So take these two onyx stones. God's telling Moses, you're going to make this for your brother Aaron, who's going to be the first high priest, and his sons are going to be priests with him. And you're going to take these stones... And you're going to write the names of the sons of Israel, six on one stone, six on the other. You're going to put them both on this ephod, and you're going to write them in order of their birth. And what this is all about is they, the 12 sons of Israel represent the 12 tribes of Israel. The tribes bear their names. Judah is named after the person Judah. Benjamin is named after the person Benjamin, right? And so they're going to be written down, and, and these are going to be a part of the high priest's garments. Verse 12, it says, and you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod and the stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord 
on his two shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. So these are called these stones of remembrance, right? Stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And it says, and Aaron will bear these names before the Lord. And so I just want you to imagine that each time that the high priest goes into the presence of God, he, he, does, he does so on behalf of the people, right? And he literally bears the names of the 12 tribes of Israel as he goes into the presence of God. And the, the ephod is this outer kind of half robe, sleeveless thing that goes on top of his big long robes, that this is kind of who he is, right? He's not coming in as Aaron. He's not coming in as Moses' brother. He's coming in on behalf of the people. Today, we're talking about the mediator, the go-between between God and man, right? And, and in this moment, the presence of God is removed from the people. And so the presence of God, you know, what right now is removed on Mount Sinai, but the instructions are to build this tabernacle among the people, but then the presence of God will dwell in the midst of it, and the people just can't go into that room where the presence of God is, or they'll die. They'll be consumed. It's a reminder continually that the sinfulness of humanity cannot be in the same space as the holiness of God, and that, that one will consume the other. Holiness will consume the sinful human being, and so God is providing a way through a mediator, the high priest, to come in one day a year to bring a sacrifice into God. Verse 15 says, you shall make a breastpiece of judgment in skilled work. Now, when you hear judgment, think discernment, not penalty for this, for this, uh, for this piece. You shall make a breastpiece of judgment in skilled work in the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen, you shall make it. It shall be square and doubled, a span in its length, a span in its breast, which is larger square piece folded in half. You shall set in it four rows of stones, a row of sardis, topaz, carbuncle should be the first row, and the second row an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond, the third row a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth row a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper. And they shall be set in fine gold filigree, and there shall be 12 stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel, and they shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the 12 tribes, right? So this breast piece of judgment, this breast piece of uh, over the ephod, this folded linen garment that would have the 12 stones on the outside representing the 12 sons of Israel. Now understand, there's about 1.5 Israelites at this point, roughly, as, as uh, experts have said, about 1.5 million Israelites out in the desert below Mount Sinai, and they're, they're kind of camping along in the wilderness, and God is beginning to build a people. His promise to them is, if you obey my commands, then you will be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, you'll be my people. I'm the God of everything and everyone. I made everything, but you will be my people. And then your job will be to go to the rest of the world on my behalf. You'll be my priests. Now remember, those priests are mediators, right? So Aaron, the high priest, he's a mediator. He's a go-between between God and humanity. Or in this case, he's a go-between between God and the people of God, Israel. And so he bears the 12 tribes and these two stones and on the, on the 12 stones on his chest. And, and when he goes into the presence of God, he goes into them on behalf of the people of God. But then he teaches the people, if you will be obedient to me, if you will follow my commandments, if you will be my people, then I will make you priests of the world. Like, you'll go to the world on behalf of me, and then you'll bring the world to me. 
That's really who the people of God can be. And, and the church, really, we are set up the same way. Not us, the church, the church in the world. We should be that. We should be those mediators. We should be the people that, that we take the burdens and cares and needs of the people to God. And then on behalf of those people, we seek God. And then on behalf of God, we go out and we care for people. And, and the church sometimes is okay with this, but this should be the hallmark of the church that we should be engaged in the world around us, loving them and leading them to Jesus. And so as God is setting this up, he's giving us this high priest to teach us what this looks like. And he represents 1.5 roughly million Israelites when he goes in to serve God. So let's read a little bit longer passage about this breast piece. It says, you shall make for the breast piece twisted chains like cords of pure gold. And you shall make for the breast piece two rings of gold. And Put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece, and you shall put the two cords of gold in the two rings in the edges of the breastpiece, and the two ends of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of the filigree, so, and so attach it to the front of the shoulder pieces of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold and put them on the two ends of the breastpiece, and its inside edge next to the ephod, and you shall make two rings of gold and attach them to the front lower part and the two shoulder pieces of an ephod, and its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. So you can see this large kind of decorated outer piece starting to take shape with gold chains and jewels, and it kind of looks like, like kind of like a hip-hop design priest wear, right? I mean, it's got all these things kind of to it, these chains that are hanging, this big section in the middle that kind of goes over the ephod. But as odd-sounding, or, or, or sometimes we get mired in the details, or we're trying to figure out, okay, an ephod, a breast, like, what is all this? What is taking place here is God is building the garments of the high priest, and, and as he does so, he's doing so that they will represent the people into God's presence. And so as crazy as some of it may sound, or as mired in details as it may be, or as odd, or just outside of our context, what we need to hear is that God's heart is that the people become in his presence. So God is moving his presence from up on the mountain to down with the people, and this will be a mobile worship tabernacle or tent and it will travel with them and then eventually when they become a nation and they get land and they do this they will build a permanent fixture but really it's not about the space it's about the worship it's about people and God God and people and so as the high priest begins to take shape the person that will represent everyone else in worship all the people are represented in the garments this is about people Verse 28, it says, And they shall bind the breastpiece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod, so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. This is powerful. He says, Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece. Like they'll be built in, right? when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. So today we're talking about that mediator, and this is in your app, bridging the gap. The high priest was a mediator between God and humanity, representing the people by bearing his names on them bodily so that they could enter God's presence and not be consumed by his holiness. This is, by God's design, how people are brought into his presence. And, and again, you have to completely disconnect from our modern-day church setting and go back before Jesus entered into human flesh and, and lived and died and rose again on our behalf. And, 
And before that, as God begins to point to Jesus, as God begins to prepare people for not only what Jesus was do, would do, but our need for Jesus, what becomes really clear here is that people matter to God, that all the people are represented here as that man goes into the presence of God. It's not for him, it's for the people. And what matters to God is that God is getting nearer and nearer and nearer to people, and people are being drawn into God. And so he begins to build a mediator called a high priest. Verse 30, it says, And in the breastpiece of judgment you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people in Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. So in this breastpiece, this folded piece that goes over the ephod that is on the exterior representative of all the people that the high priest is, is bringing in, the tribes of people, the millions of people that are in there. But then there's also the Urim and the Thummim. And these are like a, a white rock and a black rock. Basically, is the best understanding of what people have is that they were contained inside, carried by the heart, uh, and it was of God's judgment. And we think judgment, again, don't think penalty. Think trying to figure out discerning what to do. And so sometimes they would bring a binary choice to God. Okay, do we go left? Do we go right? And God would take them to the Urim and the Thummim. Like one would be the, the black rock is left and the white rock is right or whatever it is, right? And they would come in and they would lay this choice before God and the high priest would then pull out the answer. And this was kind of how God would help them discern some of their ways. And it's like a modern day kind of a coin toss, if you will, but divinely governed. And, and, and as he meets with them, they would use this as a way for God to control the outcome. Verse 31, it says, you shall make the robe of the ephod all blue. You shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it with a woven binding around the opening, like the opening of a garment so that it may not tear. On its hem you shall make pomegranates and blue and purple scarlet yarns around its hem with bells of gold between them, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate all along the hem of the robe. And so this, this robe would be hemmed up with very symbolic and very important pieces. One would be these embroidered pomegranates and the others would be these golden bells. Now, pomegranates are filled with seeds, right? And they're just this, this fruit filled with seeds. And, and it is believed that the pomegranates were to the people of God, to the, to the Israelite people. It was a hearkening back to the promise of Abraham that from him, a seed, the seed would become many nations, that he would have a son that would become a blessing to many nations, that he would become the father of multitudes, God tells him. And so they believe that this many-seeded fruit, that this represented the blessing of God, the fulfillment of his promise to Abraham, all the way, fast forward to 1.5 million people, that's a lot of seeds, right? And so all the way, fast forward out to, and just showing God's faithfulness. Now, on the other side of that was the gold bells, and that's in the next verse, verse 35. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers. So this band that goes around the bottom of the pomegranates and the bells will be on Aaron when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, so that he may not die. Now, the high priest was on any given day, for the most part, like any other priest. He, was, he would do the same functions, the priests would all serve in the same way. But the distinction was that the, the high priest had one specific job. On the Day of Atonement, annually, 
the high priest would actually go not just inside the tabernacle in the holy place, but into the holy of holies, into the place where God's presence resided somehow bodily above and, and, and in between the Ark of the Covenant, that ark that was this big ark with the angels that were on top of it and their wings were covering over the top and the, the mercy seat sat in the center. And so inside there where God's presence rested, the, no one was allowed to go. And, and even the high priest couldn't just go in there, but one day a year there would be this unique way where they would enter into God's presence. And they would do that and they would offer several sacrifices, one for the high priest to begin for his sin, one for others, and then eventually what they would do is it would culminate in this large sacrifice covering over all sin, unknown sin, accidental sin, regular sin, sin, all of it. And so anything that was missed, this high day of atonement, but Aaron would have to go inside to the presence of God to do this. And so around the bottom, not only were these pomegranates representing the blessing and the fulfilled promises of God, but were these golden bells. And as the high priest would move around, he would offer the sacrifice and maybe you know, the blood or offer the incense or whatever he would do, you would hear him moving around in there. And that was important because if you stopped hearing the bell, that means the high priest had died. And the high priest couldn't just go into God's presence in any way he desired. We're not just able to worship God on our terms. We worship God on God's terms. That's been true since all the way back. We see this in Genesis 4 where one brother comes in and gives his best and the other brother comes in and gives in worship what is convenient. And God rejects the brother who brings a convenient worship but honors the brother who brings his best. And this story begins to unfold that you worship me the way I call you to worship, says God. And so the Ten Commandments that Moses has gotten up on Sinai begin with four commandments about God. You will have no other gods, right? You won't make any carved images of me. You won't take my name and use it in a common way, a profane way, but only in holy ways. And you will give me a day a week. You will set aside one day where you will not work and you will spend it in worship and you will give it to me and you will bring your family to me and you will, you will take a day a week, a Sabbath, he says. So there's the beginnings of here's how you worship. And in the same way, the high priest had many kind of restrictions and, 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 and rules on what he would do or, or processes of what he would do before he goes into God's presence. So we'll keep reading we'll hear about a little bit of it today. Verse 36, it says, you shall make a plate. Now remember, it's God telling Moses, Moses, this is what you're going to have the people do. They're going to make all this for Aaron. Then you're going to ordain Aaron to be the high priest. So God is still speaking to Moses. He says, you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. So on this plate, it will say holy to the Lord or holy to Yahweh. And you shall fasten it to the turban by a cord of blue. And it shall be on the front of the turban. And it shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall, be regular, it shall regularly be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So we have a, a high priest hat, if you will, a head covering for the high priest. But on it, it says, holy to the Lord. And it's, it's God saying, listen, even when you do your best, you'll fall short. Like, not everything will be perfect, but understand, I cover over that. Right, that, that I will consecrate, I will set apart that. And so the high priest would be taking away any guilt from the people. 
And he was dressed in such a way to remind the people that God is holy, that, that people need a Savior. He was dressed in this remembrance, these rocks or stones of remembrance, these jewels that had their names on it. But he also had to go through a ritual cleansing process. And so he would go through a, like a ritual bathing. And then he would put on undergarments and then a robe and then this ephod and then the breast piece and then the turban. And then he had to go through this process and offer sacrifice to God in the middle of it. And, and there was just this process. And, and all of it was designed to remind us that, that God requires our best, that God requires our holiness and God requires our obedience. And then when we are disobedient, the outcome is death spiritual death, physical death. Even the high priest who was disobedient, if he went in, could die. See, the, the, the gospel message is really kind of wound up in Aaron, the high priest. The, the gospel message is that God created us and loves us, that God made humanity, that we're not some random chance of accident of science or, or, or nature, that, that God made us, that we have a design to us, and that we are we are made a specific way. Our design is to be followers of God, that our lives should be given over to giving God glory, the God who made us, and that there are ways to do that, and that all of us, you, me, everybody in human history, have all gone our own way, that we've all chosen to go the way of self, not the way of God. But in that, God has no uh, compulsion, God has no, no obligation to, to come and fix people that are running away from him. But God in love pursues. Just like we see in this one moment where, hey, just in case they've missed something or just in case, we're just going to mark this holy to the Lord. And we're going to set apart grace for people. And this, this mediator who would go into God's presence represented someone going in there on behalf of them. And, and Jesus is that, right? As, as humanity goes away in sin and then goes wayward and, and gives themselves over, gives ourselves over to disobedience to God, God having no obligation but loving us ends up sending his son, Jesus, into human history. That God became flesh to be our mediator, to be the place where, where God and man really unite. And we talked about this last week in the incarnation where Jesus becomes flesh. He is both fully God and fully human, really kind of bridging that divide between the two. And now we're seeing kind of a, a furtherance of that, that, that Jesus will become the high priest for us, that he will he'll be the ones to take us into God safely, that he will cover our sins. So Jesus lives the life that we're called to live, but we have failed. He dies our death. He dies the penalty, takes our penalty he suffers and dies that we might have life. He is laid in a grave to forgive our sins. He resurrects from the grave, giving us new life, and then ascends back to heaven to bring us into the presence of God and gives us his spirit to live while we're here on earth, to empower us to live the way we're called to live. And so all of this, we start seeing this in Aaron, the high priest, as God is creating this God is making a way for wayward people. God is making a way for even sinful wayward people to be in God's presence and for a way for them to be represented and them to be reconciled to him. Verse 39 says this, you shall weave the coat in checkerwork of fine linen and you shall make a turban of fine linen and you shall make a sash embroidered with needlework for Aaron's sons shall make coats and sashes and caps and you shall make, for them, make them for glory and for beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him, and you shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. 
You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and on his sons. And when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near to the altar to minister to the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. And this shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. This shall be a statute forever. And, and, and it's a reminder that, listen, that sin, sinful humanity and a holy God, they're separate. But God desires to overcome that separateness. So God provides a mediator. So thousands of years ago, we have Aaron this, who will become the first mediator, the go-between between God and man. And right now, that's been the job of Moses alone. Moses is right now up on Mount Sinai meeting with God, hearing this. But God's desire is that he might come and be among the people. So God begins to pave a way. And that, that Moses can't be everything to everyone. And so God is raising up a priesthood. And he starts with Aaron and his sons. And he says, listen, and this shall be a statute forever. And as a Christian, we need to hear that and ask, okay, statute forever. But we don't have priests today. We don't have a high priest today. And yes, I know other structures, Roman Catholicism and Orthodoxy. I know they have priests. I know that there are other, but in, in Protestant Christianity, we don't have priests. And even in the other Christian organizations that, that have similar beliefs, there's still not a high priest like this. And so it begs the question, okay, so, so why is this forever? And then what happened today? And, and we've been talking about it all along, that it's fulfilled in Jesus, that, that Jesus was the plan all along. Jesus didn't come along and do what Aaron did. Aaron came along to be a forerunner to Jesus. This was the plan all along. The book of Hebrews tells us so much about this. In chapter 6, it says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever. Remember we talked about last week that in the incarnation, in Jesus becoming flesh, he brought God and humanity together. And then as Jesus died for the sin of humanity, God literally tore the veil that separated in the Holy of Holies, tore the veil that separated God from humanity. Because of Christ's death, the presence of God is now available to anyone who is in Christ and the idea is that now we are in, inside, but we bear, that Christ, our high priest, bears our name. And that for anything we've messed up, anything we've mixed, he has given our sacrifice. And because his name is the holy of the Lord, because of that, we are now able to be in God's presence eternally. Jesus is the fulfillment of the high priest. But the high priest, you've got to understand, back in the Old Testament, understand this, that every year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in, and, and there was this process of sacrifice and washing and cleansing, sacrifice after sacrifice, a bull, and then a, and then a lamb, and then a ram, and it, just this process, and, and there was so much. And then there were sacrifices all throughout the year as people confessed their own sin, and people gave to God, and people worshiped, and all of this. But then another year would roll around, and the Day of Atonement would come again, and the high priest would have to do it all over again. And every year, Every year, every year, the high priest would go in and they would have to cover over the sin of the people until Jesus. Because only, because the high priest was only a foreshadowing of Christ to come. So Exodus 20, really want to look at how Jesus fulfills this. What are some things? I just want to read a few verses out of it. Exodus 29, excuse me. Verse 1 says, now this is what you shall do to them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. So in Exodus, back in Exodus, Moses now sets up Aaron and his son 
to be ordained and consecrated and set apart for this role. So skip down to verse 4. It says this, You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe and the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with a skillfully woven band of the ephod. Right? So Moses is now to wash and dress the priests. He's to set them up and to walk them through the process. Remember, you can't just go in. You can't just do it your way. You have to do it God's way. And so God has had this meticulous process to provide for them that will allow them to enter into the presence of God. In Hebrews, it says this, Jesus, our high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. See, Jesus, unlike the high priests of the Old Testament, were offering a foreshadowing of him. They were offering these sacrifices that only pointed to him. And so they had to cover their own sin and wash their own sin before they could go to God and represent other people about other people's sin. But the author of Hebrews reminds us that we have a great high priest in Jesus who doesn't sin, who has never sinned, who never failed and fallen short. And he stands there as our eternal high priest and our eternal sacrifice. All the blood that leads up to this moment, Jesus has satisfied with his death, with his blood. So Jesus, our media, this is in your app also. High priests were washed and dressed to remind us that sin separates us from God. Jesus, our sinless high priest, stands in God's presence forever. As the priest represented Israel, Jesus represents us in God's presence today. A lot of times in Christianity, what I've found is that people understand kind of Jesus was God in the beginning and eternal and has no beginning. He's God. He's uncreated. And then Jesus shows up in the gospels. He's born in human flesh. He lives. He dies. He resurrects. He ascends. And then Christians are waiting for a return way down here somewhere. Don't really understand where Jesus is today, maybe. This is all about Jesus today. Jesus in heaven representing us to God the Father. Any who are in Christ, any who are, are Christians, who are they're represented by Jesus, before God, Jesus stands there in our place, bringing us into God's presence. So now, several sacrifices go by in Exodus, and Moses is walking him through this process, and I wanted to read you this last one, verse 19. You shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hand on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tips of the right ears of his son, and on the thumbs of the right hands, and on the great toes of their right feet, and then throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. There's this anointing them as they're finishing up their process of becoming priests, and, and especially Aaron, as Aaron is becoming the first high priest, and there's this moment where God anoints the right earlobe, and the right hand, and the right foot of each, and there's this, there's this, this beautiful image of the covering and anointing of them. But we've always, we've used this a lot of times uh, throughout the, my years in ministry, that there's this image that, of us as human beings that in our sinfulness, we, we can't hear God. We don't hear right. And then our hands, that our hands fail to do what God has called us to do. And that our feet have a trouble staying on the path towards God. And, and that in this moment, we have this image 
of the blood of Christ forgiving or healing or redeeming how we don't listen well and how we don't act well and how we don't stay committed. And in this image, as they ordain the priest, they, they do this in such a way where they cover them in these three ways in blood to remember, to remind them that, that they are to hear God's voice, that they are to do God's will, that they are to stay pointed at the God who loves them. I want to close with a couple verses, a couple notes of this. Hebrews 7, again, Jesus, our high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, like we said, has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and those for the people. I read this earlier, since he did this once for all when he offered himself up. Right? High priests offered sacrifice after sacrifice, shedding a great amount of blood to cover their own sin. There was a series of these things that led up to this moment where Aaron is anointed in blood, but there's been a series of sacrifices. As a mediator, Jesus shed his own blood to be both our high priest and our atonement sacrifice. Jesus stands in the presence. He is, one, the fulfillment of the high priest, but two, he is the final sacrifice. He is the completion of all this bloody Old Testament foreshadowing of his death. That he stands perfectly in God's presence, awaiting us. Hebrews 7 says this also, Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save from the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Remember when I said Christians don't necessarily understand where post-ascension, pre-return, where is Jesus, what is Jesus doing today? I want you to hear this. That Jesus draws people from the uttermost, people from the whole world. But he says, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus, as he stands in the presence of God, prays for you and for me. He prays, he always lives to make intercession for us. So Jesus is our mediator, and I'll close with this. Jesus doesn't just represent some people. He represents every nation of people, including you and me. Our Savior invites all people into the presence of God. More than that, Jesus then stands in the presence and prays on our behalf. Church, if you ever wonder, where is Jesus right now? As we kind of live in this weird world, Jesus stands in the presence of God, intercessor, praying for us. He is our great high priest eternally. He is the perfect sacrifice and the perfect meteor as he stands there remembering our name before our creator and God. Will you pray with me? God, thank you that we have this moment, that we get to see how, how we are brought in. We, just, uh, we get to contrast that with the past where people couldn't enter into your presence. And we are reminded of your desire to come down off the mountain and to live within the people and even as Jesus ascends and he says, I'll give you my spirit, that you, the desire is not just to live among the people, but to live in us, that you would empower us for the life that we live. And so Jesus, thank you for, for the Old Testament. Thank you that we get to compare and realize, okay, you've done so much for us, but you also have that, those passages that remind us of how grave our sin is and how separate it causes us to be from you. So Jesus, thank you that you stand in our place. Thank you that your death covers our sin. Thank you that you stand and make prayers on our behalf all the time to our Father, our God in heaven. And so Jesus, thank you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.